Father God, thank you for uh, um, meeting us uh, in worship as we lift our hearts to you. I pray, Lord, that now you would meet us in uh, listening, hearing, uh, understanding, and uh, inspire us for the week ahead. Just ask humbly, Lord, for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're doing this uh, sermon series on how to get help from God when you need it. Or um, if you want to be really simplistic about it, how to get what you want from God. How many of you would like to get what you want from God? And the rest of you are lying. Yeah, you know, we've all got these prayers where we're like, hey, this is what I need, Heavenly Father, uh, you need to come through now, please. Um, and um, it's a very common interaction in our lives and a very common interaction in Scripture as well as people interacting with God um, about things that they feel that they desperately need. So we're just examining some of those moments and some of those teachings uh, because it seems like something that would be super practical for those of us who follow after uh, God. And last week we took a look at um, the, the parable of the persistent widow, or Jesus says um, uh, through an illustrative story, hey, if you're going to get involved in the prayer business, if you're going to get involved with requesting things from God in prayer, then the first thing you're going to need is an attitude of perseverance. You're going to need the ability to stick with it. Because while God is always quick to give us good things, he says, delivery times vary. Sometimes the good things will come through immediately. Sometimes they'll take uh, a long time. Or sometimes God will adjust the, uh, the product a little bit. So instead of getting what we ask for, we get something that is more particularly what we need. We talked about how sometimes in life you'll have like these long unresolved prayer requests. Like, I've been asking you for this for years, God. But in the meantime, while that's going on, you'll have these other prayer requests that God comes through on more immediately. And one of the things we need in life is the ability to just kind of live with those unresolved issues while we uh, experience these more short-term breakthrough issues. It's always going to be a mixture, in other words. And we need to have the sort of faith that can contain and thrive in the midst of, of that mixture. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, and this week, uh, we're going to talk about how sometimes making a request to God requires a fuller conversation. Um, don't just fill out an order form when you pray. Converse with God. See what he thinks about things. Turn a request into a conversation. That's the punchline. Uh, you can tune out now since you already know what the punchline is. Or you could warm up. Everybody roll your shoulders, massage your ears, give each other a high five. Get ready for warm-up questions. Since it's Ohana Sunday and we got, we got kids in the house, I thought maybe we'd ask some, some kids a warm-up question uh, for the sermon. Uh, Uncle Antonio uh, has the mic. Go ahead and pick, pick a kid, Uncle Antonio. Um, he is lurking like a shark. I see that Alex is not paying any attention. Aaron, you got there. Hello, hello. Hello. He's super excited. Dude, what would you ask God for 
if God showed up and he had a chance to ask him for one great thing, what would it be? I don't know. Hey, he's getting advice. he's getting advice from dad. There's no wrong answers. A new Nerf gun? Nerf gun. A new Nerf gun. A Nerf gun. Yeah. 80% of the people in here would have requested the same thing. <laughs> a Nerf gun. All right. So second, second question. Second so, question. Second question. Second question. <laughs> this, is, this is important. Okay. Why do you think God should give you a Nerf gun? Can, can you stand up for us so we can... Um... Because it's really cool and it's a fun toy. It's really cool, and it's a fun toy. Excellent, excellent. If, if you could ask God one thing about him giving you a Nerf con, like, yeah. you know, sort of, sort of feel him out a little bit, what would you ask God? This is tough. Um, God, I, I have an idea. How about a Nerf gun? How would, you, how would you sell them on the idea? All right, I'll answer for you. Because when I shoot at my sister, it won't hurt if it's Nerf. That's a good reason. All right, well done, well That's done. That's a pretty good one. Good job. Cool. There's a lot of kids in front of me here. Oh, yeah, you got a whole row of kids. Yeah. All right. This is a great row here. All right. So, so, uh, so pick one. Can you stand up here? Great. On the chair. You can stand up on the chair so everybody can see you. Oh, yeah. Mom, mom just loves that, by the way. That's just, that's just excellent. Okay, honey, what would you ask God for if, if God showed up and you got to ask him for one great thing? What would you ask him for? I would probably ask him to be wise when I grow up, to be a good mother. You would ask for wisdom. How old are you? Eight. You're eight, and you would ask God for wisdom. This is a product of homeschooling, ladies and gentlemen. Great. Would you preach next week, by the way? Uh, maybe. She, she didn't say no. She didn't say no. All right. So why do you think God should give you wisdom? Um, so I, I don't know. You don't know because you don't have it yet. Yeah. Excellent. Good job. I, I can't top that. Go ahead and sit down. Brilliant. Fantastic. This is a fun role. Her, her dad got called into the hospital for surgery today, right? And so the first thing he's going to hear is, Dad, I got to stand on the chair. That's the first thing he's going to get to hear. The rest of it, uh, incidental. All right, thank you. Again, the kid's way smarter than us. Uh, you, can, you can sit down, Antonio. Just All right, down. okay. I, I like holding the mic while you're preaching. This is not an invitation to edit. Set it down. Brilliant. All right, warm-up question for the adults. This is an all-play. Does God give you good gifts? 
Yeah, of course he does. Uh, but the process of asking God uh, for good things sometimes necessitates other questions, right? It can be uh, complicated. It could be uh, a little bit richer. You're turning a request into a conversation. That's what, uh, that's what we want to talk about today. Sometimes a simple request needs to be a fuller conversation with God. Now, there are some Bible passages, I think, that make it sound super simple uh, to request things from God. I put a couple here in the program from Matthew 7. This is one uh, that you hear a lot. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' most famous teaching. Uh, so, of course, it will be familiar to a lot of us. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. Now that is a fairly positive comment. Everyone who asks, and he's talking about asking things from God, everyone who asks receives. One who seeks to the one who knocks. Right now, right? That's very positive. He goes on. Which of you asks will stone? He's Talking to parents, obviously. If your kid asks you for bread, you know, he's hungry, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, if then, though you are evil, well, thanks, Jesus. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? A very famous passage. You know, if you need something, ask. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. That's not a father's heart. He sees you as a father sees a kid. He wants to give you good things. He wants to figure out what you need and to supply them. That's just a very encouraging uh, teaching all around. And it sounds really, really easy. Um, ask, and it will be given. Yeah, there's some suggestion that, you know, it won't just be asking, that there might be some seeking involved. And seeking sounds a little more long-term, of course. Um, so, you know, some knocking, like there, there might be some process in it, but it still sounds fairly straightforward. And the main point of the passage, I think, is that uh, God is generously inclined, right? He has a father's heart uh, toward his children, and we are his uh, children. So God, God is generous, and if God is generous, then asking should be easy, right? Following so far. Um, if... Uh, how many of you have kids? And if your kid said, hey, uh, give me some bread, I'm hungry, would you fail to feed the kid? You know, it's rhetorical. No, of course not. You wouldn't. Uh, if your son asked you for bread, would you give him pizza? Well, maybe, yeah, right. So, you know, that's a little bit different. You know, it doesn't have to be bread because if a kid's hungry... Uh, you know, pizza will do as well as bread and probably better. Kids, how many of you would rather have pizza than bread? I rest my case. Thank you very much. Um, you know, so, so, you know, God might edit the product uh, a little bit uh, as it comes. I have a son. You know, my son is named uh, Jeremiah. Uh, he's awesome. There he is right there. That's a handsome kid right there, you got to admit. As Jeremiah. And if Jeremiah says, hey, dad, I want $100. I need $100. Well, 
Well, I mean, truthfully, you know, if I can get it, I'm really inclined to give it to him. If Jeremiah says, Dad, I need $100 to get a cool tribal tattoo on my face, <laughs> that might need to be a larger conversation, you know, because you don't get a tribal tattoo on your face when you're a freshman in high school. You get one when you graduate from high school. Uh, everybody in the Sang family uh, knows this. So, you know, one must be reasonable how one applies uh, this teaching, but the idea that you've got a good dad, he's pretty generous, ask for what you need, seek him for what you need, and it's probably going to go well because he's a generous guy. Uh, there are even more extremes and teachings of this. The uh, next one, John 15, uh, in your program. I love this one. It's from Jesus' teaching on the vine and the branches. He says, you know, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You've got to stay connected to me if you want to be fruitful. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In my Bible, that's totally highlighted. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He wants your life to be full and prosperous, fruitful and rich. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How many of you want to claim that scriptural promise like right now? Ask whatever you wish. How many of you believe it's true? Yeah, I mean, there is this small precondition uh, to the ask whatever you wish business, which is if you remain in me and my words remain in you. What does that sound like? It's kind of a poetical way of saying it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. It, uh, to me, it sounds like it has something to do with obedience. You know, do, do what I say. It's like have my words remain in you, have my words stay in you. Um, kind of sounds like, hey, as long as you're kind of moving according to what I tell you to do, then, you know, we're good. You know, ask for whatever you want. You know, I'll take care of it. That sounds like a pretty generous promise. I don't want to get too technical about it because, again, it just sounds way generous. You know, and, and if that's true, I do want to keep in my mind, though, that there's a bit of a precondition. It's like, you know, you can't ask for something that's way outside of the Lord's will. You can't disconnect from God. You can't be a branch that is not plugged into the vine. And I've walked with God a long time. I've walked with the Lord Jesus a long time. And I can tell you that if you are plugged into him, right, if you do have a regular conversation with him, if you really have dedicated your life to living his will without compromise insofar as you're able to prevent compromise, you know, then you get the hang of discerning what would be good to ask for, right? It's pretty simple for me to know when I'm asking for a godly thing versus when I'm asking for an ungodly thing, you know, and to work with God uh, in that way. But that's a pretty good, good promise, and, you know, it sounds straightforward, if not entirely uh, uncomplicated. And then there are all sorts of passages in Scripture about what can get in the way of being plugged in to Jesus for the sake of petitions, stuff that can complicate our requests of God. Sorry, I'm hearing a lot of air. Uh, and one of those comes from James chapter 1. A couple chapters from... J a couple excerpts from James here. It's a short epistle. 
um, from this fellow named James, who was the younger half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he became um, kind of the leader of the church in Jerusalem at a certain point, uh, and he was uh, famous for his prayer life, super committed to it. And so when you read his epistle, uh, his letter of advice to the churches, there's a lot in it about how to pray and, and how to um, seek God for things that you need. Here it goes from chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That right there is a shocking phrase. Consider it pure joy when you face trials, when you face life challenges. Tough advice. Uh, but he says, be assured that your faith, if you have enough faith to be joyful even when life is hard, that that's going to produce this thing called perseverance, stamina. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom in particular, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, because such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Um, interesting teaching. There's a lot unfold things and presents them. The first thing he says is, hey, it's important to have a good attitude about tough situations. When trials happen in your life, when desperate circumstances come up, step one, hey man, don't lose your faith. Don't freak out. Maintain your joy. Have the right attitude. Uh, because uh, that's helping to develop you in a positive way. So, you know, that, that's number one. And then he mentions lacking things. He says, your faith is going to produce some perseverance, some stamina in you. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Everybody needs stamina. You have to realize that God is developing that in you. He wants us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you wisdom, he should ask for it. Ask God for help with that. And God is super generous. He's always going to give wisdom to you without finding fault. In other words, he's not going to say, no, I'm not going to give you any wisdom because, you know, you're just a little too snippy. He's going to be like, sure, I will help you figure things out. Then, you know, somewhere down the road, presumably, um, you know, we're going to get along to the financial issues or whatever the issue happens to be. Do you understand what he's saying? Is that our own maturity and completion and wisdom within ourselves should be the initial part of, of the conversation. Uh, you know, he, he may be talking about wisdom with respect to the trials and challenges uh, of life. This makes a lot of sense to me in a personal and a practical way. From time to time, I have desperate circumstances in my life. I have things that really, really stress me out. And the thing that stresses me out most is when I face the difficult circumstances and I don't have immediately control, immediate control over all the pieces of it. It's like, wow, I really need this to change. And it feels like there's nothing I can do to change it. 
right? I, I need God to, to reach down and to fix this situation. And there's something about that, about having a crisis that I can't control and manipulate that really stresses me out. Is it just me or do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, wow, I, I, I need a break uh, if, if I'm going to get through this. Um, James says, pray for wisdom. It's like, yeah, those are the times when I really, really need wisdom because I can fly off the handle. I can be very unwise. If I'm facing a tough circumstance and I feel like I can't make the changes that I want, I lose my joy really quickly. And I can actually get accusatory toward God. It's like, look, this is a terrible situation. Obviously, I can't control it. What's your problem, Dad? I mean, what, what are you doing here? And then as soon as I have that negative reaction toward God, well, it really makes it hard for me to expect generosity from God. Right? You see what I do? This is probably just me. I know you don't do it. But, like, when something goes wrong, I get mad at God. And then if I get mad at God... It's hard for me to expect generosity and goodness from God. It's hard for me to be mad at him for fouling up and simultaneously super confident that he's going to come through. So I get weird prayers, you know, like, oh, God, you're so good. You're so generous. What the heck is wrong with you? Praise you. Amen. You know, I was like, I'm like crazy. And I think that that's exactly what James is talking about when he says, don't be double-minded. I know what happens when things go wrong, guys. You get double-minded, don't you? And you become unstable in all that you do. Because when you get double-minded, it doesn't just negatively influence your prayer life. It just screws up with all of your life. Anybody? Maybe you know someone that has been there? Anyone? Right? And you just get very uptight and very stressed with respect to God, and that can be a situation that can, that can grind you to a halt for years at a time. It can lead to depression. It can lead to abiding anger. And if you're abiding in anger, you're certainly not abiding in the vine. Anybody? Right? Maybe this, maybe this resonates uh, with some of you. And so James speaks right into that mess or that potential mess, and he says, all right, look, when things are desperate... I'm telling you, the first thing you want to do is pray for wisdom because I know you and I know that you're going to get all emotional about it and that you're going to throw up barriers between you and God. And if I need something desperate from God and say, God, you're asleep at the wheel. I don't have enough, I don't know, money in my bank account uh, at the end of this month. Uh, what's wrong with you? Now, God is in a difficult position at that point. Because, you know, if he puts $1,000 of cash in your mailbox and you find it the next morning, what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, you're a generous God. Or are you going to say, well, I'm glad you listened to me this time. I'm glad you realized that you were treating me so poorly. Right? It, and, it, and it makes it difficult for God to provide for you because he doesn't want to confirm your complaint he would much rather honor your faith. You get it? This is, this is a bad situation that some of us get into when we're really emotional. 
turn the request into a conversation. It's like, whoa, I have a lack here. I have a challenge. I have this thing that I cannot control. I have this thing that's scaring me a little bit. Give me wisdom. Help me to understand the true nature of the situation. Help me to honor perseverance and joy in the moment, even if I don't have full understanding of what's going on. You know, that sort of conversation. A mature and complete conversation, to borrow James's words. You know? Dad, I want $100. Oh, well, okay, I'll see what I can do about that. What do you need $100 for? I need it for a face tattoo. Let's talk about that. Why do you want a face tattoo? Well, you know, all the cool kids have one. Uh, he goes to HBA, and that's how it is at HBA. Every other kid has a face tattoo, you know. And, uh, you know, oh, maybe there's another way to empower yourself in life, you know. Let's, let's take this as a maturing moment. I'm pressing the analogy, but you get the point, right? Everybody say amen. amen. Raise your hand if you want a face tattoo. Later on in the epistle, toward the end of the epistle, uh, he goes back to this. James goes back to this in chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you, he says? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Here, James is just repeating the Jesus teaching that we read from Matthew. You know, you don't have because you don't ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, that particular teaching, uh, well, it starts to make sense and then it gets really scary for me. You know, why, why, are you, why are you bickering among yourselves? Well, it's because in some way, shape, or form, you feel like you're not getting what you want, or you're not getting what you deserve. And that kind of fundamental human feeling causes all sorts of sin in the world. You know, it can even cause murder. It can cause you to kill, you know. You desire what you don't want. You desire and you don't have what you desire. So, you know, there are some people who actually kill because of that. Well, I want what you have. I deserve it more. I will kill you and take what you have. All right? That happens. We know that. Uh, maybe you haven't done that, but, oh, you know, we read the headlines. Or you covet, but you cannot get what you want. Coveting is the most popular sin in our country. Like, you know, every commercial tells us that we should covet things and, you know, covet this possession, covet this kind of body, covet this kind of reputation, covet this kind of position in society. Um, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You tear people down around you so that you look better. And Okay, this, I think, is fairly common. You do not have because you don't ask. You don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't receive it from God because you ask with poor motives, because you're immature, because there's something that you're not getting about it, in other words. There's something that you not, have not understood. How many of you think you should have a better life than you have? How many of you are afraid to admit that you feel like you should have a better life than you have? All right, got a few more hands. I, I do. I feel like I should have a better life uh, than I have. And I've got two choices, right? I can blame, or three, I could blame other people for that. It's like, well, I would have a better life, but you know, it's 
hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded with turkeys, like the old, it's like, that was a very popular poster in the 70s and 80s when posters were popular. Anybody remember posters? Yeah, now it's memes, but you know, before there were memes, there were posters. I was like, yeah, you know, these people are just tearing me down. Um, or I could blame God. God's not giving me what, what he wants because, you know, he's just asleep at the wheel. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. Or, well, maybe there's something wrong with me, right? Maybe, maybe if I made some adjustments to my life, it would be a little easier for me to kind of get the sort of life uh, that I feel would be good. Or maybe I need to change my perspective a little bit so that I understand what a good life is, right? I got three basic choices there. And the, ones that, the one that James is pointing to is the latter. It's like, you know, your motives are a little screwed up. A little screwed up. Uh, maybe you want that face tattoo for the wrong reasons, people. Uh, maybe you want that relationship for the wrong reasons. Or remember, maybe you'd be better off being a little more mature before you get that relationship or something like that, you know. Uh, God might have some uh, input there. The reason this is a scary teaching to me is because it's easy for me to beat myself up, beat myself up about my motives. Like, I prayed for this. I didn't get it. I stink. I must be a lousy person. Right? I must have offended God somehow. You know, and I get really down in myself and, and discouraged. I don't want to beat myself up assuming that every unanswered prayer request is the result of my bad heart or my bad motives. I don't want to stand in accusation toward myself because Satan does that. He doesn't need my help. You know, I don't want to accuse myself. I do want to check in with God and see if he has anything to say on the subject, though. It's like, is there some barrier in me, Lord? Is there something wrong in me that is making this prayer request or complicated in a bad way? You know? In other words, here it is again. I want to turn the prayer request into a conversation. I don't want to just fill in an order form. I want to actually converse with God about it. I want to be plugged into Jesus so I have some discernment in myself about what the full story might be. Make your request a conversation is the takeaway point from, from today. Make your request of God a conversation with God. We need to go into that conversation with an expectation of generosity. You know, we must believe that he's actually a good father. That if he says no, it's because he has something better in mind. Or he might say not yet. He might say wait till you graduate from high school. Or some such answer, right? If we get mad at God, it shuts down the conversation. Here's how I would say it in application. What attitude do you have to have with your, within yourself to have an open conversation with God about stuff that you want? Everybody think for a minute about something you really want God's help with right now. Something that you really want him to come through on. What kind of faith would it take for you to have a truly open conversation with God about that? God, is this the good thing that I think it is? 
Do you have some ideas about what would make it better that I should be asking for? God, is there some adjustments that I need to make in my own life uh, before I can handle this thing or before it's the right time for you to deliver this thing? What's going on here, God? What's going on? That's what I mean by over-conversation. And then to listen to stuff that he might actually say. Occasionally, he'll say, don't worry about it, just hold on. Occasionally, he'll say, yeah, no to this one. Just trust me, it'll be okay. Or occasionally, he might give you some instruction about how to move forward. Because all of this is well and good, you know, but when the chips are down and I feel like I really need help from God, I just want to cry out. I just want to say, look, God, what do I have to do to get a break here? I'm really suffering. What's going on? And here's the thing. Here's something that I can promise you. If, if you ask that with faith and with the right attitude, God will tell you what's going on. God will give wisdom generously, without finding fault. He will tell you what's going on. He will give you instruction about what to do next, even if that instruction doesn't make immediate sense to you. If you approach a request as a conversation, I can pretty much promise you that God will advance the conversation, even if it seems like he's not immediately advancing the request. Do you understand what I mean? He will speak back to you in the way that he knows is best. And he might well have something larger at play in your life than you're requesting. And so it's worthwhile to listen to what he says. Even if what he says is simple, like, wait. <laughs> he will speak back. You can write that down because I think that is fairly sure. Um, I experienced this um, when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, and I was finishing up uh, a program of academic study. I had really had my heart set on a career in academia, as many of you know. I planned to be a professor or a policy analyst or something like that, and I was wrapping up uh, my, my PhD. But things weren't going well. Uh, academia is a weird place. It's very faddish. I had uh, a topic of investigation that I thought was really important. Um, but it had suddenly become unpopular and politically unsexy, you know? It's like I was, I was on the political outs, right? Uh, I had the wrong side of the political debate uh, on, on, on my issue, and I was kind of getting shunned as a result of it, and I was desperately praying for some sort of vocational breakthrough from God. It's like, look, I have, I've invested like nine years into this project, God, I really need you to come through. I really need you to give me you know, an appropriate job. I really need you to provide a way for me to, you know, to live uh, in my career. And I need some vocational breakthrough. And it just wasn't happening. And it was problematized because I was really depressed during those years. And that was actually a big factor in my depression. So my attitude was getting darker and darker and darker. God, come on. Where's my breakthrough here? Uh, you haven't, uh, you know, just brought me here to let me down and, and ruin my life, have you? That was sort of the nature of my prayers. And during that period, 
God uh, spoke, he gave Sonia a dream about starting a ministry in our living room. It was a symbolic dream, but it was very easy for us to decipher. Uh, and Sonia shared the dream with me. So lo and behold, we started a, a, this sort of gathering, this Bible study, and, and we would call it an Ohana group here in this church in our living room. Um, we had this kind of loft apartment that was really spacious, um, uncharacteristically spacious for South Chicago where we lived. And so we started that group, you know, six or seven uh, young people came to it uh, the first uh, week uh, that we had it. And then it kind of grew for that, from there. And you've heard me tell stories about this season in my life before, if you're a Blue Water regular, that Ohana group, that small group grew to such a size that it became a church plant on South, in South Chicago in a neighborhood that really didn't have any living churches. And of those original six, seven, eight people that were there that first meeting, uh, those folks went on from there eventually and, and planted, I, I lose track, it's like six or seven different churches around the world now. So it's, it's a fairly good group. But looking back on it in retrospect, it's over 20 years now, I can see that that was really God answering my request for breakthrough and my vocation. Because what I do now is not teach at a university. What I do now is I teach in a glorious gym at Palama Settlement in Honolulu and, you know, yeah, you know, we got fans and stuff, you know, we got, we got these things. So, you know, this is way better than Harvard. Uh, worked there for a couple of years. Those guys are slumming it. Um, you know, but also, you know, I'm able to do a, the sort of teaching that is close to my heart, not just here, but in places around the world. And I'm able to write and do all sorts of things. You know, I am a teacher. I'm just not the sort of teacher that I thought I would be. God's like, I got your vocational breakthrough. Have a Bible study. <laughs> and and I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize at the time that that was his answer to what I was saying. Because I refused to have the conversation. Instead, I just did the request. You understand what a, a boneheaded guy I was? Go ahead and say, dude, you are boneheaded. Thanks, honey. Um, so, you know, you can see how these things work. My request to God for help would have worked better if, I, if it had been a, a conversation instead of just a plea, just a, re a request a plea. The funny thing was, if I really think about it objectively, is that when we were driving to Chicago, we got married and moved to Chicago in like within 20 days. And as we were driving out there, I felt the Lord speak to me on that trip and say, I'm not taking you to to grad school. Um, no, that's not what he said. The degree that you're going to get in grad school is not the most important thing that you're going to do in Chicago. I'm taking you there for ministry. I remember him saying that specifically. Uh, but because the degree was so hard to get, it consumed my, my attention. Have you had experiences like that? You know, where you ask for bread, but God gives you pizza? And you're like, I didn't ask for pizza. I didn't. Yeah, Actually, pizza's good, you know. But he will do that because he's like really smart. He will tell you. He will give you hints and clues along the way. But if you are double-minded, if you are all wrapped around the axle because you lack something that you want, you desire something that you don't have, then you'll like miss the conversation entirely. 
you know, he'll be blessing you and using you to bless others all along the way. But you might lack the wisdom to actually be in on it. You might not be plugged into the vine in such a way that, you know, you're asking and getting good things with flow and ease. So that's on you, right, as it was on me. One of the most encouraging lines that we've read today is the line from the epistle of James where he said, you know, God gives wisdom to all without finding fault. Even though, like me, you might be performing badly in that conversation with God, he's still willing to explain it to you. He's still willing to give you wisdom. Turn it into a conversation, and God will tell you something helpful. He will. I can almost promise that. It might take a little bit of perseverance, but that's fine because that actually matures you and it gives you the sort of stamina that you need to get through life well. Are you understanding how it goes? It is easy to get good things from God. But it can be rich as well. You know, adjustments may need to be made. Not because God is an ungenerous giver, but because, you know, you might be a little unwise. It's possible, is what I'm saying. So, let's do a little exercise here to end things. I asked you earlier to imagine something that you really feel like you need from God right now. Maybe it's something that you just really desire. It's like, yeah, you know, I've been desiring this a while, and I think it would be a really good thing. It's kind of a big thing with me. Take a deep breath. Let's just take a moment of silence, and I want you to ask God for it, however you think you should. Just ask Him for it. You can sit there and ask Him for it. You can fall to your knees and ask Him for it. You can stand on the chair and ask Him for it. You can pump your fists, wave your hand to get His attention, whatever you have to do. God, here's this thing. I want it. Please give it to me. All right, now take a minute and ask God what he thinks about all that. Ask God uh, for a response. Notice I said ask him for a response, not a delivery. Let him respond. Let him speak into the situation. That's the ticket right there. That's you being mature. That's you seeking to be complete within yourself. That's you seeking peace, wisdom, instead of merely seeking satisfaction. That's the way to do it. Oh, Father God, uh, we need many things like all children do. 
we need you to be a father who provides. We give you leave, Lord, to also be a father who teaches and matures us. We need to be developed as well as provided for. We pray, Lord, that we could pull this off in a fashion that does not compromise our faith attitude. We pray that we could pull this off in a fashion uh, that does not make us think ungenerously about you. We want a healthy father-child relationship here. We look to you, not just for provision, but for all things. Speak, because we are inclined to let your words remain in us. We are inclined to grow. Don't forget our petitions, Lord. Don't forget our requests. We consider them holy and sacred. We are seeking. But do respond back to your people this morning, Lord. We pray for just a, a gracious season of conversation and provision. I do pray, Lord, for a season of breakthrough that uh, maybe you could be uh, uh, a little extra quick with your responses just because we're in the attitude uh, that we're in, Lord. Let this be a season of breakthrough and maturing. We pray humbly in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen.